So uh, this is the fourth and final message in the what I've been ministering on healing for the past four weeks, and I've I've called this one according to your faith. And basically, what this message is all about is we learned in the the first week we talked about where does sickness come from? Who is the author of sickness? And we looked at the scriptures, and it's it's plain that the devil is the author of sickness. That the the God does not use it to punish us. God does not use it to guide us. God does not use it for any of those things. It's a tool of the enemy. It's not a tool of God. And then we looked at the healing promises of God throughout the scriptures. And we saw that there are promises for our health and well-being in the scriptures. And in the third week, we looked at uh, the fact that they weren't just general promises, but that God wants each and every one of us individually healed. His promises are not for all of us. His promises are for you and, and individually. And, and if we take them as such, it, it has a, a much greater impact on our life if we see them as God actually intended them as, as promises for us. But the last thing that I want to look at today is that, that we actually have a responsibility in healing. And that's actually, we have a responsibility in every part of our, our walk with God. And it's always according to our faith. And all of God's promises require faith. There's not a single promise in, in, in the Bible that was given by God that doesn't require faith for us to grab hold of that. And healing is no different. God promises healing, but we have to trust Him. We have to believe Him. Basically, we have to believe that He is who He says He is, and He's going to do what He said He's going to do. And I believe the primary reason that we see less healing in the United States than we do in, in third world countries is because our whole lives we've been been taught that science is the answer. There's no such thing as the supernatural. And it, it's all, you know, it all can be explained by science. So we have, from, from when we were born, we're being trained to not believe in what God can do. We've basically lost interest in our faith. We've lost interest in, in trusting God because we figure that science can figure it all out. Now, I personally believe that someday science is gonna, going to give the evidence that's needed to prove that God is real. But for the time being, they all want to use it to prove that God isn't real, that he doesn't exist, there's an explanation for everything. But the truth is, is that we serve a supernatural God, and he does supernatural things. I've been spent time in third world countries when we were did some mission work when I was, uh, when I was younger in Mexico. We went down and, and ministered to the Tadahara in, Tadahara, Tadamahara Indians, and we all have also been to Africa ministering, and, and, and they see healings and miracles so much more often than us because they're not afraid to believe in the supernatural. They, they trust in God. Our, our biggest point over there, here we're trying to get people to put, put their trust in a supernatural God. Over there we're trying to divert their attention from, from a, a bad supernatural influence to a new one. They don't have a problem with the supernatural and we see miracles happen so much more frequently over there because they're not afraid to believe God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. And the truth is, as Christians, we can't be double-minded. We can't pick the parts we want to believe and the other parts that we don't. We need to take God at his word. There's so many well-meaning Christians that say, I do have faith, but I'm just a realist. Has anybody ever had that, heard that kind of attitude? It drives me bonkers. I'm, I'm a realist. That, that's, that's being double-minded. Do we, do we believe God or not? In Matthew 9, 27 through 31, it says, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. 
And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went away and spread his fame through all, the dis- through all that district. This is a scripture that just kind of lays it out all plainly. First, we, we see that, that uh, and this is a side note, but we see him referred to as the son of David. That's a messianic, messianic uh, title that was given to him. And the, the Jews believed at this time that when the Messiah came, he was going to be a political um, and, and basically war Messiah. He was going to free them from the oppression of the, the, the Roman Empire that was going on. But these men understood something a little bit more. They didn't just see him as a political figurehead, as someone who's going to free them uh, with his military might, but he said, you know, there's something more there. He has, he has power to do something more than that. And I began to ask them, can you, can you restore my sight? And it says, when he entered the house, the blind men came to him. And so this is an interesting story. We've got a couple blind guys, and they just march up in somebody's house wanting to talk to Jesus. That, what kind of faith does that take to believe that, that, that Jesus can do what he says he's going to do, that it makes you willing to go into someone's house that you don't know about? They, they couldn't even see whose house it was. They're just going to follow Jesus. And he walks in their house and they say, he says, can you, can you heal me? Have mercy on us, son of David. And he's asking for them, the, the two blind men are asking to receive their sight. And Jesus says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Isn't that an interesting question? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Why would Jesus ask that? Why would Jesus be curious and wonder if they believed that he could do it? Because we all know God's all-powerful. The truth is, God doesn't need us to believe him to do anything. God isn't reliant on us, but he has asked us to put his faith in him. And because of what God's word says, and that, that the only way to please him is by faith in the systems and, and policies put in place, that when we don't have faith, we actually limit his ability to work in our lives because God's not going to make himself to be a liar. He says, I want you to trust me. And he says, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes. And then what does he say? According to whose faith? You're speaking to those men. According to their faith, he says, be it done to you. He says, and then their eyes were opened. Now this says to me a couple things. One, it says that when they said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. It says, and that means that when they said that, they were telling the truth. It wasn't just lip service. They believed that he could do it. Matter of fact, they marched up in somebody's house not knowing who it was. It could have been anybody. And they walked into their house and says, we believe that you can do this. And it says, according to your faith. Had they not believed, had it just been lip service, had it just been to look good in front of the crowds, nothing would have happened. But they believed. And that was Jesus' only concern for healing them, is do you believe? He didn't say, you know what, I would really like to heal you, but do you remember what you did last Wednesday? You know, we're going to have to work on that first. If you can give me two weeks of not doing that again, then we'll discuss healing you. He said, you know what, you're going to have to get yourself right with God first before I can do anything. He doesn't say anything. He says, you just got to trust me. You got to believe in me. Matter of fact, that goes true with getting right with God as well. So many people are like, I'm, I can't go to church till I get right with God. How about you go to church and then while you're there, get right with God? Because getting right with God has nothing to do with you going to church or not, reading your Bible or not, not doing anything bad or not. It has to do with putting your faith in Him. 
He's who makes you right with him, not your own actions. You know, what would have happened if they would have had no faith? I believe that nothing would have happened. They would have walked away blind as they ever came in. But they trusted God. They put their faith in him, and a miracle happened in their life. And then Mark 10, 46 through 52, it says, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind men, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. We see the same pattern in this, in this situation as well. And we're going to see that over and over Every time that there is a healing in the Scripture, there's one of two things. One, it's just flat out said, it was their faith that made them well. There's some sort of evidence that they were displaying faith. That they, there was some sort of evidence to, to, the, to their believing in what, what was going to happen. And in this case, we see both of them. He starts off with this blind man, he begins to cry out, and the crowd begins to rebuke him. And I don't know if you know much about that time, but when the crowd got riled up, bad stuff could happen to people. They, they could stone them. They could drag them out outside the city streets. I mean, there was all kinds of, there was all kinds of possibilities for them to come at him. And it says that, that he began to, to yell out to Jesus. And he, he, he believed that Jesus could do for him what he said, he, what he thought he could. He could recover his sight, so he didn't care what was going to happen for him. He was willing to risk the, the ire, the, the angriness of the crowd in order to reach Jesus. He was willing to push through anything. You know, so many of us are, are worried what our friends might think, our coworkers might think, what our family might think, that we're afraid to even admit that we love Jesus. But this guy's willing to, to yell out in the crowd, and he's saying, you know what, I believe that he can do something in my life. He has something that I want, and I'm not giving up for anything. And then Jesus says, Come. And he jumps up. And then we begin to see even more evidence. So the first evidence of his faith is that he's willing to, to take on the ire of the crowd. He's, he's willing to take on whatever's going to come against him to reach Jesus. But then it says that, uh, it says that he, he get up, he is calling you. And it says, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now this man was a blind beggar. Probably the only thing he owned was that cloak. It's what kept him warm at night. It's what kept his knees off the ground as he was begging because this was, this was his livelihood. Under Mosaic law, beggars could be taken care of. They, they could receive money from people, but they, they, they laid their cloak out and they sat on it. They slept on it. It was everything that he had. And to receive something from Jesus, he's like, you know what? I will give up everything to meet him to let him touch my life. And he threw away, that's the second evidence, that he, that he had faith that Jesus, I mean, you wouldn't withstand the crowd, you wouldn't throw away everything that you had if you didn't believe Jesus could do something in your life. And then it goes on to say, go your way, your faith has made you well. It was this man's trust in Jesus that made him well. 
Now, God has promised us health and healing, but we have a responsibility to trust in him that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, it's, and we're going to look at today time after time after time. You're probably going to get tired of hearing it, but I want to drive it home. I'm going to labor pretty hard because I want you to understand that it is our responsibility to trust God. Amen? Luke 17, 11 through 19 says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So we have ten lepers that come up to Jesus. And we talked a little bit uh, about this last week. Is The lepers were a serious outcast of society. They weren't allowed to even come in the city. If they were walking near other people, they had to carry a bell and ring it yelling, unclean, unclean, so people knew where they were and they could keep their distance because if any Jewish man or woman touched a leper, they wouldn't be allowed to to go into the temple. They would be considered unclean as well. And they, they, they had to sleep outside the city. And the first interesting thing that we see is that, that this man was a Samaritan. Where did it say that? Uh... Am I on the first page? Yeah. Uh, can anybody else see it? I'm having a hard time finding it. Next page? Anyway, it says he's a... Oh, there it is. And now he was a Samaritan. He said, this is a foreigner. Sorry about that. It's because I don't have my iPad. I'm all messed up. So it says that he was a... He says he's a Samaritan. Interesting thing to note about this is that Outside the city, all of a sudden, Jew, Samaritan, all those social settings don't mean a thing when you're a leper. They're just lepers. They're staying together, and ten of them come up to Jesus. They, they, they risk being ostracized by everyone else around them because they're, they're coming, approaching a Jewish man as a leper. And they say, you know what, heal us. And he says, you know what, go to the priests. And this is an interesting thing here because, did you notice it doesn't say, it says when he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. It doesn't say he healed them and then go to the priest. It says, go and show yourself to the priest. And that's interesting because when they turned to walk around, they still had leprosy. They, they weren't healed yet. And they had to decide as they're walking and they still have leprosy, do, do I trust that what he said is true and keep making the trip? Or do I look down at my body and my body says, you're not healed. My body says, you still have leprosy. My body is, is claiming something different than what God just told me. They had a choice to make. And it says they, they decided they were going to trust you. They begin to walk with leprosy, going to the priest to be checked to see if they were healed. And it says, as they went... They were cleansed. You know, sometimes we have to step out in faith before it ever happens. You know, sometimes when you have something bothering you, you, you trust God and you begin to, to walk and live your life like there was no issue there, trusting that God's going to take care of it. And it says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, the Samaritan, who probably is like, what am I going to the priest for? You know, he's not a Jewish person. He has no idea what they're talking about. He sees he's cleansed, and as soon as he does, he turns around and runs back to Jesus and says, and begins to praise God. 
begins to, he falls at the feet of Jesus. And as a side note, this is one of those areas where we see that Jesus is receiving praise from somebody. He's receiving worship. And how many know that's, that's something that only God can do? This is one of the evidence in the scripture that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. He is 100% man, 100% God. He received worship from this man. And he says, wait a minute, where's everybody else? Where is everybody else? You know, that's something we need to keep in mind, too, that when God does do a miracle in our lives, that we begin to praise and honor Him and give Him the glory. You know, and God will do it through all kinds of different ways. God may use doctors and hospitals, but we need to remember where it's coming from in the first place and give, give honor to who honors do. Amen? Luke eight forty through 42 it says, When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed Him, for they were all waiting for him, And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had, only a, had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Now first, this is a, we're going to go through the whole story here, but this is the first of a longer story of what's going on right here. And the point that I want to point out with this one is, like I said, when we see, sometimes Jesus will say, say it outright, your faith made you well. But sometimes we'll see evidence that there is something going on. And this is one of those cases because Jairus, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He's a, he's a high-standing official with the, with the Jewish, in, the, in the Jewish religious community. And as we know at this point, they don't really like Jesus all that much. They don't really care for what he's doing. Matter of fact, they're plotting to kill him all along through this. And, and this man is saying, you know what? I see something different in him. And he stands up and sins for Jesus to come heal his daughter. Now, he's, he's a leader. He's in a, he's in a high position. And at this point, he's risking his reputation. He's risking his position and, and being in opposition to the rest of the Jewish leaders by putting his trust in Jesus. Whatever was going on must have been pretty severe for this man to be willing to put his faith in Jesus at such a great risk to himself. And the truth is, that goes for all of us. We know something, that we're really, truly willing to believe in something if we're willing to risk something for that. You know, if you're willing to set something aside, and and that's different for all of us, particularly depending on your, your different level of faith. You know, for some of us, taking that risk, showing the belief in something, is just getting out there that first time to hand somebody a flyer. And sometimes it's, it's, it's trusting God that he's going to bring somebody back from the dead. And you guys think, that's Pastor Wayne, that's crazy. That, that hasn't happened since the Bible, but the reality is it has. There's documented cases of people being risen from the dead because somebody wouldn't give up. Somebody wouldn't, wouldn't take no for an answer. And we have testimonies in this church where people were pretty much all but dead and God brought them back. That's faith to believe that God can do something like that. So as the story goes on, though, in Luke 8, 43 through 48, says there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him and touched the friend of his garment. And immediately her dis- discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing on you. 
But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is another answer. So now we have, this is part of a longer story, like I said, right? Jesus is being called by Jairus, this religious leader. He's got high standing. He's got high reputation. He probably has great influence and power. And as, as Jesus is trying to make it to his daughter who is dying, this woman who everybody had to have known in her community. I mean, it's not like this just happened yesterday. Her whole life she's had this issue with the discharge of blood, and she's, she's paid her entire living on physicians. She, she wasn't unknown. People knew who she was. And she risked, and this is the same situation as a leper. Because she was bleeding, any Jewish man or woman that touched her would be considered unclean. It was not okay for her to be out in public. It was not okay. I mean, she could be stoned. She could be killed for coming out and being with people. And she's in a huge crowd. She's touching people. It says that, that they, were, they were pressed up against him. And there was a crowd. They were pressed in. And she reaches up and she touches his cloak. She, she thought, if I can just touch his cloak, then I'll be healed. And Jesus perceived it. And he says, who is it, who is it that touched me? And Peter's like, Jesus, are you okay? I think you might be a little cuckoo because everybody's touching you. You're in a crowd. They're pressed against you. But she, she had the faith to... So not only is she going out in the crowd, risking being stoned, risking being drug out and, and being hurt and all those things, but also Jesus is already on a mission to heal a very powerful man's daughter. And now she has just stopped him in his tracks. She has stopped him to take a moment to, to deal with her, to, to say, hey, what, what's going on here? That's got to take some, some faith as well to think that I'm going to stand in the way of this guy because even if the crowd doesn't kill me, who knows what he's going to do to me for, for, for basically being the reason that Jesus didn't get to his daughter in time. We're going to find out in the next, the next few scriptures that the dude's daughter, he die, she dies. Jesus doesn't make it in time. So he says... Who was it that touched me? And the woman comes up and she says, it was me. And what does he say to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Once again, we see that it was her faith, her trust in Jesus that made sure that, that she was healed. And this isn't a, if you think about this, this is an aggressive faith. This is a faith that's not taking no for an answer. I talked last week or the week before, I said there's only a few instances in the Bible where Jesus does a miracle where it wasn't his idea. And this is one of them. Matter of fact, every time he does it in the Bible, it's because it's a woman's decided that she's taking something and she's not, she's not going to take no for an answer. His mom did it. This lady did it. And there was another lady whose daughter was sick who, who argued with Jesus and got her miracle as well. That's an aggressive faith. They're not taking no for an answer. And in and, and Matthew eleven twelve it says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Sometimes you have to take hold of your promise. No matter what the world is telling you, no matter what the enemy is telling you. I mean, think about this. This lady here, you know the devil was, was in her mind saying, so you know what, you don't deserve healing. You don't deserve to be touched. Who are you that, that God would even care? She said, you know what, no, I'm not standing for that. 
and I'm going to receive what he has for me. She, took, she was aggressive with their faith, and I think that sometimes we have to do that as well in our own lives. Instead of just sitting waiting for God to do something, we need to, to press in and be aggressive as well and say, God, you have, you have promised this. In Luke 8, 49 through 55, it says, While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead, and do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. So this is what I said. This is the rest of that story, that this, this young girl died. Jesus didn't make it in time, because this lady held him up. And they say, you know what, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. And I'm, I'm wondering what this lady's thinking, like, oh my goodness, what did I just do? This young girl is not going to live. And Jairus probably had a right to be, I know I would be upset. I mean, just think about it in something in a, in a more, something that would make sense to us. What if your, your daughter was in an, in an ambulance being rushed to the hospital, but there was some sort of traffic jam or a fender bender, and they didn't make it to the hospital? And something? We'd be upset, right? And rightfully so. And that's kind of what happens here. But then Jesus on hearing this says, Do not fear what? Only believe. He says, Only believe. She will be well. He says, When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. This is an interesting thing, that he only let those few people in there. You know, sometimes when we're trying to believe God, there's going to be people around us that have a different idea, that have a different opinion. They're going to tell you that you're crazy. Why would you believe in that? Can't you, why don't you be a realist? Can't you see what? She's dead. And sometimes we have to separate ourselves from those who would, who would try to pull our faith away from us. And he separates himself from them. And he says, all right, just Peter, John, and James, the father and the mother. He says, come on in. And it says, and they were all weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And what's the crowd say? They laughed at him. You know, you might face that in your life as well when you choose to put faith in God. Because people will say, man, that's just crazy blind faith. Or what are you thinking? And, and, and they, they want to talk you down for putting your trust in God. I know for me personally, there's been so many times I've decided to trust God when everybody else thought I was crazy, but God has came through. And it's one of those, who's laughing now? Not that that's the attitude to take. That's an internal thought. That's not how, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not how we win people. <laughs> but internally, you're like, yeah, because, and, it, and it's not even that. It's not even a doubt. You know God is faithful. He's going to come through. And he says, but he, he took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And we can see, we can learn so much from these scriptures because she's sick, she's, or she's dead. And what does Jesus do? 
And I want to I want to contrast it to what many of us do when we need something from God. Many of us would be like, "Oh God, why did you let this happen? Oh God, why is this happening to me? Oh God, why is she dead? Please God, pretty pretty, pretty please God, would you would you just bring her back to life? God, if you bring her back to life, I'm going to I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll live. You're going to see God, I'll serve you with all my heart if you would just just bring her, please God." Anybody ever prayed like that? I've prayed like that. And then I begin to realize that's not how we should pray. What does Jesus? Jesus speaks to her. He says, rise. You know, the scripture says that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and be cast into the sea. And it'll be cast into the sea. It doesn't say, ask God for the mountain to be cast into the sea. It says, speak to the mountain. Sometimes we have to speak to our problems. Sometimes we have to stop telling our God about our problems and begin to tell our problems about our God. And speak to the mountains. Begin to talk to what, speak to it. Command you. God has given you authority in His Son. Begin to speak to what's going on. If you've ever had me pray for you when you were sick, you'll hear me. I don't ask God to heal you. I thank God that He's healed you. And I take authority over what's going on in your body. I command it to be whole. Because that's what God taught me to do. That's what He shows in the Scripture for us to do. And we just take it on His Word. Does it sound weird? Does it sound crazy? I don't know. It might. Take it up with God. It's not me. I'm just doing what he told me to do. But sometimes we need to speak to our mountains and command. As long as you're commanding according to God's word, according to his his promises, you're okay. Because God is watching over his word, ready to perform it. Amen? Amen. In Matthew 8, 5 through 13, we, this is a story I know we've all heard. It's an amazing story of faith, but it's uh, Matthew 8, 5 through 13. It says, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. This is a great story because this man's faith was so great, he didn't even need Jesus to show up. He understood how authority worked. He understood the power that Jesus had. And he's like, you don't even have to come. Just say the word and it'll be done. Just a word from Jesus was enough. And then Jesus made specific mention of the greatness of his faith. This guy wasn't even a Jew. He was a Roman soldier. He, he was the head of a hundred uh, soldiers. He was, he was the, the, their leader. He wasn't a Jew. He didn't serve God. He couldn't worship in the temple, but he still trusted that what Jesus said would happen. He says, I get how this works. I understand authority. And his faith was great. And he says, because you believed, it will happen. And then it says, 
And this is, this is what's funny to me because you're only going to see this in two circumstances, two, two types of occasions in the Scripture. It says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those... He says he marveled. This blew Jesus' mind. There was only two things that did that to Jesus. There was two things where he was like, wow, are you kidding? I mean, this is two things. It was great faith like this or a lack of faith. The two things that made Jesus marvel. He could, it always blew his mind when he saw someone with this kind of faith, but it always, it always questioned why would somebody have such littleness of faith. You know, he marveled at this man's faith. And it was so simple, just trusting that Jesus was who he says he was and that he could do what he said he could do. In Matthew 15, 21 through 28, it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. This is a Canaanite woman. She's not a Jewish woman. It says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. You know, this is something we have to be careful that we're never doing as well. Pushing people away because they're not who we envision to be someone that God loves. They're not our, our, our idea of what a, a good Christian would be. They might be, you know what, God loves everybody equally. And it says, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Oh, send her away. She's not crying. She is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, this is Jesus speaking to this woman. And it says, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Man, now this woman has got faith that I can't even imagine. She, she walks up to God. God basically says no. I thank God that now that uh, the, she was basically ahead of her time. You know, the, the, the promises have been opened up to the Gentiles. That's all of us. But at this time, they weren't. Jesus was still ministering to the Jews. And, he's, and he says that it's not, it's not right for the master to, to, to give his food to the, to the dogs. He was basically saying that I'm here for the Jews right now. I'm not here for everybody. It's not right for me to do this. She's ahead of her time. Now, I thank God now that we are perfectly in God's will where we're, his promises have been made for us. We've been grafted in. But he said, no. I want you to think about that for a second. If God said no to any of us, it would wreck us. If we, if we, you know, if, if we looked at one of his promises and says, this is for me, and God says, nope, not for you, that, that would be hard. But she knows something. She sees something different. She has faith, such great faith in him. This is, this is one of the three women that, that said, you know, we're going to do it my way. And she says, no, I, I, I believe something better of you, Jesus. I believe that you have something for me, and I'm not setting that aside. And she begins to say, yes, but even the, the dog keep the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. If we have faith, there is nothing that God won't do for us as long as it's according with his word. Now, God's not going to do something crazy in your life just because you're, you're standing. There, there was a... Um, uh, a video once that was trying to prove that God wasn't real. And uh, 
I watched this years ago on YouTube or something, and, and it was basically a guy who had a jug of milk, and he pulled out the scripture that, that said uh, something about, uh, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but it was one of the ones to the point that if you ask for something, he answers it. We can know that we have it, and, and he'll do whatever you ask in faith, whatever we ask in faith. And uh, so the guy's like, all right, well, I have a jug of milk here, and, and I'm going to ask, ask God for turn it into two jugs of milk. And obviously the guy says some nonsense prayer, and obviously nothing happens. Because he's going about it the wrong way. First, this man didn't have any faith. He already didn't believe that God would do what he said he would. And not to mention, God isn't there to be a parlor trick. That is not according to the word of God. That's not accomplishing anything for God's purpose. So, of course, he's not going to answer a prayer that's not in accordance with his word. You know, it's like, it's like uh, praying for something illegal to happen for you. I mean, it's, if it's not according to God's word, it's not gonna, no matter how much faith you have. But when we pray in accordance, well, how, how do I know if it's, if it's according to God's will? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're walking with God, if you are in step with Him, that's why the Scripture says we're supposed to walk in step with Him. If you're walking with God, your thoughts are His thoughts. Whatever you ask for is according to His will. Because if you're walking with God, if your eyes are on Him, you're not going to be thinking about crazy things. And then if you want to be sure, just check it against His Word. Does it align with His Word? I'm praying for my, for my neighbor to get saved. Is that, is that in accordance with His Word? Yes, He wants everybody to be saved. I'm praying for my, for my, my neighbor's wife to, to leave him and come to me. Yeah, that's not according to His Word. Does anybody see the difference there? Now, these are drastic, silly examples, I know, but, but that's, that's the litmus test. Is it in accordance with His Word? Then it's His will. And the Scripture says if we ask for anything according to His will, He gives it to us. And this woman knew that. She knew that it was God's will for her to be healed. And she said, I'm not taking no for an answer. And it says her faith was great. If we could have that kind of faith, I think we would see so many more miracles in our lives. We would see so many more healings. We would see people with that missing limbs or limbs would grow. If people rise from the dead, paraplegics get up and walk, we would see all that. If we would just have faith to believe. In Matthew 8, 2-4, it says, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. This leper comes, once again, we've talked about the lepers, what they have to go through. He comes to Jesus, which is crazy in and of itself, and he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Other translations say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then it says, he says, I will be clean. Other translations say, I am willing, be clean. This is, I want you to know that, that God is willing for you to be. As a matter of fact, it says that it's, it's his will that this man be, be cleaned. He says, I am willing. Just know that in your heart when you're questioning your faith. Is this something that God wants from me? God is willing for you to be healed. This is his will. It's, that's why he sent his son, that you could be whole. Amen? And Mark 2, 2-12, it says, And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the... I love this story. This story is crazy to me. And not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? Good question. And immediately Jesus perceived in, in this Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Isn't it interesting that in those days that healing was not a big deal? Like, people got healed all the time. They trusted God, people got healed. Not a big deal at all. But forgiveness of sins, that was a big deal. And it's completely opposite today. All of us are okay with saying, trust God and your sins will be forgiven. But everyone thinks it's crazy if somebody would, would be healed from something. Why? I wonder why that's this is something I've always wondered. Why is that flipped in today's society? Why is it we're perfectly okay with a little bit of faith is enough to believe that, that we are forgiven, but it, it, it takes an incredible amount of faith to believe that, that God might take away our headache? It's strange to me, but it's a completely different thought process back there. Everybody says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, that you might know that the Son of Man is God, because only God has the authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This story, remember when I said that this one doesn't specifically say that, these men, that, that it was their faith that made them well, right? But if you take a look at this story, that's all you can see is faith. So these guys, they want to get in to see Jesus. So they, 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 They're carrying this man on a cot. He's paralyzed. He can't walk at all. He can't do anything. And, and, but they believe that Jesus can do something in their life. Like, all right, so they're making their way. That's a good show of faith. You know, it's just like when we pray for people, even coming up to be prayed for is an act of faith because most people are terrified about walking up front, even if nobody's looking. But so, so they're, they're, they're trying to get into this, to this building. They're trying to get in to see, the, to, to see Jesus, and it's, it's too crowded. They can't get in. So there's a couple options in my head. One is we just wait, or, or two, we just give up. But that's not what these guys are thinking. They're like... Why don't we just do some property damage? So they climb up on the roof, and they rip a hole in this dude's, I don't know whose house this was, but I'd be ticked. I'm telling you right now, just give me a holler. I'll make some room. You don't have to put a hole in my roof. But they rip a hole in this guy's roof, and they, they lay him down in there. And, you know, we don't see anywhere that, these, that, that the people that own this house were upset, which is strange because I think we would see it if there was a problem. The reason I say this is, do you remember when, when Jesus healed the, the guy with a legion of demons in him and he sent him into the pigs? They made a, a big old deal about the pigs being killed. As a matter of fact, they sent Jesus away and the man that was healed. But I think they had a different perspective here. This man says, you know what, this guy couldn't walk. And he came in to see Jesus and now he could walk. I'm willing to give my roof for that. I'm willing to give up something to see God move like that. I mean, because my roof is not worth what just happened, this miracle in this man's life. When people say, Pastor Wayne, this doesn't say anything about faith in that scripture. I think it says it all over the place in that when they ripped up a guy's roof. Because they believed that he, Jesus would do it, that Jesus would touch him. And Jesus healed him. And he got up and walked out of there. What an amazing story and an amazing display of faith by everybody. And in Mark 7, 31 through 35, it says, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and the region of Decapolis. And they had brought him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crown privately, he put his fingers in his, into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up to heaven and sighed and said, uh, 
Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. This is another one of those where the action shows some sort of faith. So the guy can't hear. He had a speech impediment, he was deaf, and he walks up and he says, Jesus, can you heal me? Now, how many of you, if I came, you came up and said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me, and I went, no problem. Let's lay hands on you. How many of you would be like, let's do it? That's basically what just happened. And it's not the only time. I don't remember if I have it on here or not. We'll find out in a second. But the same thing when the guy, when Jesus spit in the ground and made mud and put it in the dude's eyes. You know, but the fact is, is that he trusted him enough. He said, you know what? I believe. I don't care what you do. I believe. And the man was healed. He had enough faith to get over what we would think is gross, what we would think is weird. He had enough faith for that, and he pressed through, and he trusted God. That's faith. Matthew 17, 14 through 20, it says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This is another one of those, those just incredible stories of understanding how involved faith is with, with God's promises for our lives. So as soon as this happens, when the man wasn't healed, when the child wasn't healed, what does Jesus do? He rebukes the crowd. He says, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? He just wanted them to trust that this was going to happen. Just to believe that this was going to happen. And he says, all right, bring him here to me if you guys don't want to believe. And then we find out that he, he rebukes the, 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 the demon that comes out of him. And the disciples came to him and says, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast this? Why couldn't we heal this little boy? And he says, because you haven't been a pastor long enough. Because you haven't, you haven't done enough good things already. You know, you've got to build up your stock in this. He says, because your littleness of faith. Because you didn't believe. It's as simple as that. You know, everything in our walk is as simple as that. Do we trust God or do we not? And then he says, if you have, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will happen to you. And I've talked about this before, but if you've ever seen a mustard seed, it is super, super tiny. And it says, if you have faith like that of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And I've always thought about that. I thought it was strange. I mean, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of faith. 
But what I think he's saying is he's talking about how your faith moves and grows. He says if you have faith like a mustard seed, you start off with just a little bit of faith. You start off with just the just smallest bit, and that's when you put your, your faith in Jesus, because it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to put your trust in him for eternity. But when you do that, as you continue to put your faith in that, just like a mustard seed, it begins to sprout roots and it begins to grow. And, and what started off as a tiny thing, as you continue to nurture it, as you continue to exercise that faith, as you continue to do those things, grows into one of the, the tallest plants that comes from the smallest seed. And as you continue to put your trust in God, your faith increases. As you begin to continue to, to spend time on the Word of God, because that's how our faith increases. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? As it grows, eventually we're going to have the kind of faith that, that we can say to the mountain, be moved, and, and it'll move. So if there's an area in your life that you're struggling with having faith with for some area, and if it's healing for you, put... Put scriptures on healing all around your house. Get that word into your, into your mind, into your heart to begin to, to read His promises and your faith in that area will grow. I'll be honest with you, one of my, my weakest areas of faith is healing. And when I was training to be a pastor, always wasn't, because I don't know, for me instantly, whenever I hear stuff about healing, even today I have to keep it in check because my, my thought instantly goes into to hoax mode. You know, that's something, they're just lying. They're just trying to, to put on a show. And, and even today, I have to, to catch that. Because the scripture says you have to take every thought captive, right? So I still catch it because God has been challenging me to see, you know, what can I do? And I've seen amazing things. But when I first started out in ministry, uh, my first, so I had a, uh, my first sermon I ever preached was at the Tucson Church on a Wednesday night. And then the next sermons I ever preached when we were in Africa and we were training other pastors in Africa. So I had to preach to them and then also preach the same messages to the, to the classes that were being trained. It was it's a missionary training course that we were working with over there, so I had to preach to them. So my weakest area of faith, God said, you're going to preach this the most to everybody. Matter of fact, the four messages that I've been preaching this last week are, are what those original messages have grown into. And... But God's like, well, we need to increase your faith in that area. You're going to have to spend some time in the Word in that area. And as a result, my faith has increased. And I've seen God do incredible things. But it's because I, I spent time in the Word, letting my faith increase in that area. And I believe that if you just start with that small bit, it doesn't take a lot. Start with that and begin to, to nurture it and, and use it and put your trust in God. It's going to grow and to be the, the biggest pillar of faith than you can imagine if you'll just trust God. Amen? In Mark 9, 17-23, it says, And someone from the crowd answered him. Sorry this is going long. If you guys bear with me, I'll get through it. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And when they brought the boy to him, when they saw the, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water, destroying him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to the one 
who believes. This is actually the same story, just a different, uh, different gospel talking about the same story. And we see a better picture of what actually happens. And it's so interesting because the, the father comes to him and says, can you do anything? And Jesus says, if you can. The New King James Version says this, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Basically what Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? If you can. It's time for you to put your faith in action. It's time for you to say come out of him. It's time for you to step up and exercise what I've been teaching you guys this whole time. He doesn't say if I can. He says if you can. And I think that's pretty telling as we've looked through all this. It's, it's our faith that, that takes hold of God's promises in our lives. Amen? And I don't want to be misunderstood. I know there's times when God operates outside of our faith because He's a sovereign God. He can, he can do whatever He wants. And there's plenty of cases of being healed that didn't, the people that didn't have any faith being touched by God. And uh, I, I know that happens. But I do know for sure by faith, we can guarantee that in our lives. Amen? Mark 6, 2 through 6, and on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many of you who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, because that's the other time that he marvels, at their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. It was, it was their unbelief in, in the city that he grew up that limited Jesus' ability to do any. There was only a handful of people that were willing to trust God. It says he only did... He only laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. There was only a few people that were willing to put, his, put their faith in Jesus and trust that he was who he said he was and he will do what he said he's going to do. You hear me use that expression a lot because I think it's the simplest expression of faith. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. It's a simple childlike faith. You take him at his word. But it shows that here, when we won't take him at his word, when we choose not to believe him, we actually limit his, you mean God can be limited? God can be stopped? God can be thwarted? It seems like it to me. That's what the scripture says. They didn't believe and it limited his ability to do miracles in that city. This is where he grew up. You would think these would be the people that might, that might put the most faith in him. And this is where he was from. But instead, they spurned him and said, we don't think you're, you're who you say you are. I mean, we knew you growing up. You know, you got in trouble with little Jimmy, I remember. But he says he marveled because of their unbelief, and it limited his ability to do anything. And the same is true for our lives as well. If we're not willing to believe, we will limit what God's able to do in our lives. In Acts five fourteen through 16, it says, And more than ever, believers were added and and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. And that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. There's a bunch of believers here. It says these are all believers. And they were putting their faith 
in God, that even just the, the shadow of Peter would touch whoever was afflicted and they would be healed. Now, they had, I mean, that's a lot of faith to believe even a shadow could heal somebody. And, and I'll be the first to admit that these are all new believers. They haven't quite got it all figured out yet. And they're, they're a little bit ignorant of how it works, but they're not, they're, their faith isn't any less. I mean, they, they, they were thinking that somehow it was Peter that was doing this when it was actually God. But they still believed that, that God would do it through whatever, whatever way. You know, sometimes we do the same thing in our own lives. We think that, oh, it's, it's only through some person that I can be touched. It's only through some person. It, it hasn't happened here because, you know, I have a great group of people here and we have a great group of strong leaders and believers. And, and I've never run into a situation where someone was like, no, only the pastor can pray for me. But there's a lot of churches where, where, where people will only receive prayer from the pastor because somehow they think that if they receive prayer from anybody else, it's going to be, it's going to be weaker or less powerful or, or God won't work through other people. But the truth is, it has nothing to do with me. When, when I lay hands on somebody and I begin to pray for them, it's not me doing anything. I'm just believing God with that person. I'm just hoping that when I lay hands on them, a little bit of faith is going to be released and God's going <laughs> to... not a real wall (laughs) praise God (laughs) where was I (laughs) it doesn't have to be me praying it doesn't have to be the pastor matter of fact sometimes you just need to lay hands on yourself and begin to pray for yourself because it's God that does it it's not the person laying hands. I'm not, I'm not any better than anybody in this room. I'm not special. I just said yes. And you guys can all do the same thing. And God will work through you just as powerfully as he'll work through me. Sometimes we just need to, to put our faith in God no matter who it's coming from instead of putting our faith in the man. Amen? And we'll go ahead and end here today. Much to Clifford's rejoicing. In Acts 14, <laughs> 8 through 10, it says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. And he listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. On your feet. And he got up, he sprang up and began walking. See, Paul saw that this man had the only requirement needed for being healed. He saw that he had faith. It says he looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, he said, stand upright on your feet. He saw that he had the faith to be made well. How did he see that? I don't know. Paul was preaching the word. You probably saw something stirring in this guy. He was probably leaning forward attentively and listening and was captivated by the words of God that were being spoken through Paul. And it says he saw that he had faith to be made well. And Paul says, stand upright on your feet. And then he gave evidence that there was that faith there as well. Because this is a man who was paralyzed. He was crippled from birth. He had never walked. And he's listening and he's, he's hearing God's word and faith is increasing in him. And Paul says, stand up. And it says the guy sprang up and began walking. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody that's been crippled from birth, but the muscles, they don't, they don't develop. They don't work. They don't... 
And this man has been like this his whole life. He knew what his legs were like. But his faith was so great that when he was told to stand up, not only did he, did he not go, you know, slowly, putting a little bit of weight, putting just a little bit at a time and standing up, but he sprang up. His faith was so great. Now, had God not came through, he wasn't going to be up for very long. But God did, and his faith was great, and he proved it by, by jumping from the ground. See, the reality is, is that Jesus died to make all of us whole. The scripture says, by his stripes, we are made whole, we are made well. He died, the, and we just have to grab hold of that by faith. That's how you grab hold of every promise in the scripture, is by faith. You put your trust in him. And the truth is, the enemy is constantly going to try to tell you something otherwise. The enemy is constantly going to try to point out, you know, chinks in your faith and say, no, if that's true, why is this happening to you? Why do the, if, if that's true, if, if, if healing is yours and God's going to touch you, why do the doctors say that there's, that there's no course of action they can take? Why is everybody around you saying, you know, be a realist? The truth is, is that I actually kind of agree with that. We should be realists. The difference is, is that we should let the Word of God dictate what real is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.